five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet yes we are bored we're all bored now but has it ever occurred to you wally that the process that creates this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be a self-perpetuating unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks and it's not just a question of individual survival wally but that somebody who's bored is asleep and somebody who's asleep will not say no. See, I keep meeting these people. I mean, uh, just a few days ago, I met this man whom I greatly admire. He's a Swedish physicist, Gustav Bjornstrand. And he told me that he no longer watches television, he doesn't read newspapers, and he doesn't read magazines. He's completely cut them out of his life because he really does feel that we're living in some kind of Orwellian nightmare now and that everything that you hear now contributes to turning you into a robot. Do you know a lot of New Yorkers who keep talking about the fact that they want to leave but never do? Why do you think they don't leave? I think that New York is the new model for the new concept concentration camp where the camp has been built by the inmates themselves and the inmates are the guards and they have this pride in this thing they've built they've built their own prison and so they exist in a state of schizophrenia where they are both guards and prisoners and as a result they no longer have having been lobotomized the capacity to leave the prison they've made or to even see it as a prison see actually for two or three years now Chiquita and I have had this very unpleasant feeling that we really should get out and we really feel like Jews in Germany in the late 30s. Get out of here. Of course, the problem is where to go, because it seems quite obvious that the whole world is going in the same direction. See, I think it's quite possible that the 1960s represented the last burst of the human being before he was extinguished. And that this is the beginning of the rest of the future now, and that from now on, there'll simply be all these robots walking around, feeling nothing, thinking nothing and there'll be nobody left almost to remind them that there once was a species called a human being with feelings and thoughts and that history and memory are right now being erased and soon nobody will really remember that life existed yes all right that was um andre gregory with the great soliloquy from the movie, My Dinner with Andre. And that was Wallace Shawn, who was sitting next to him. A uh, movie that changed my life. Saw that when I was, I think, 20 years old. And uh, I remember the exact theater I saw it in, un under the exact circumstances that I saw it in. And it was uh, in San Francisco. I was with my girlfriend at the time. And it was a theater uh, down 
uh, near the Embarcadero in San Francisco, um, kind of by Waldorf Street, I think. Uh, and it was one of these independent foreign film art house movie theaters. I used to see a lot of foreign film independent art house movie theaters with my girlfriend. We, we were into that. So I saw a lot of, we'd go to a lot of these very unusual movies. Uh, I, I, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed them. I, I, what was the one movie we went to go see? It was, I think it was one of these movies where they string together a lot of commercials or no, a lot of trailers for movies. It was one, I think it was one of these trailer movies. And um, it was at, I think it might've been the York Theater in San Francisco. And we're watching this movie and then somebody, it was like um, the Fight Club where they spliced a scene into a movie. I'm pretty sure that uh, they got this idea from people that were doing this back in the late 70s and uh, early 80s. This would have been 1980. And we're watching this movie and all of a sudden somebody splices in about five seconds of this woman who was a porn star, Georgina Spelvin. And she's getting fucked by these two guys in this movie. And it's like, it just pops on the screen and you're watching and you're like, you know, holy fuck. And then it goes away and it goes back to the movie. And some people laughed and thought it was funny. I, th I think there might have been a couple of kids in there in the movie theater. Uh, anyway, we used to see a lot of these flicks and uh, my dinner with Andre was one of them that it changed the trajectory of my life. Like I could go back and look at that movie and it had the same effect on me that if you were a musician and you heard, I don't know, Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix for the first time, um, if you were into literature and uh, you read uh, Finnegan's Wake for the first time, it had that it had that effect on me. It was it was just like a seminal moment in my life, and I think Andre Gregory is still alive. I, I, he he might have passed. I don't know. I have to look. He might have passed away. While Sean is still alive, he's the uh, the other actor, and Andre Gregory was a uh, playwright. They were both playwrights in New York, and Andre Gregory's story in that movie was to me one of the most compelling things I'd ever I'd ever witnessed. It was like, man, this guy is taking me on a fucking journey. And he's had all these incredible experiences and they're all designed to somehow make him feel more alive and to help him, you know, puncture the veiled reality or so-called reality. And uh, Wallace Shawn, who's his buddy there, is the exact opposite. Like, Andre Gregory is global and he's really trying to get to the heart of his own existence by touching the, the world uh, in all these different ways and having the world touch back. And some of his stories are pretty intense. Like there's a, there's this one story where a lot of these things were connected to uh, Julian Beck, the living theater. Uh, he was very into, you know, where theater and life, kind of intersect and there's no 
there's no like distinction. So there was this one of one um, event that he was a part of, and it was a group of people, and I think it was somewhere in New England, and they showed up. It was it was at night, and they uh, were put. They were taken to this like big barn or whatever, and they had them like fill out all this paperwork as soon as they got there. And, uh, and then they were stripped and they were, they had their pictures taken. Right. So they were like processing them. They were, they were literally processing them and then they were taken and, and they had blindfolds put on and they were naked. They were, and this is, it was cold. They were taken out once they went through this weird processing trip and they were run through like the landscape blindfolded and they had these people, you know, who were taking them to this location. Right. And then they, they set them in a box, which is a coffin. And then they dropped them down into a grave and they started shoveling dirt on top of them. And, and if and there was only one by one, so if you were one of these people who were part of this and were waiting, you were in that place and you were naked and you were huddled and nobody talked to you. You didn't know what was going on. And then eventually they would all wind up around the fire and you know, drink coffee and laugh and feel like they were alive because they were being brought to, you know, their greatest fears in a lot of ways. I mean, so this is how... And it's almost like borderline MK Ultra programming. Who knows? Maybe it was, but um, it was. Uh, I mean, that's just one story from this movie. That's incredible. So it changed the trajectory in my life. And uh, some of the th one of the things that he talks about is this place called Findhorn, and I wind up going to Findhorn because of that movie. I'm like, I got to go to this place. Speaking of Findhorn, come on, buddy. The astrological cat is now with us. You were not part of last night's show for very long, were you? You got up, and I think you took a poop, and you went nuts. You went nuts. All right, coming off a uh, an epic marathon show last night, and uh, one of the things that I talked about was the uh, this little fundraiser here for our friend uh, Leon, and it's a unique kind of fundraiser in that. Um, it addresses his immediate needs, which are helping him stay in the game and uh, sort out his passport and visa issues, uh, get a plane ticket, and then have a major upgrade with his life so he can continue to do what he does, which is make music uh, and find commercial settings for it. And so he has this publishing deal that he's offering to people to have a, a little slice of his new publishing company. So if you haven't seen that, uh, I'm going to put it over here in the chat. So I'm sure Tom, Tom has already done it. I don't even have to look. <laughs> Tom is amazing. So if you want to help Leon out, um, let's see, let's see if he's raised anything here. Let's see what he's got. He's got $200. How about that? It's a good start. It's a really good start. So there you go. 
got anonymous donation of $100. So excellent. Well, if you can help me out, anything's appreciated, but um, you do get some goodies. If you donate between $250 and $500, you get a piece of his new publishing company. How about that? So there you go. Yeah, you want to donate? What are you going to donate? Want to donate some cat food? Where the world, when the, where the world is going, cat food might be a luxury at some point. You and I might be sitting down to some tuna pate. You never know. Just like the Mad Max. Yeah, you're a good boy. Yes, you are. You're a good boy. All right, so we have a lot of ground to cover, and the title of today's show is a Sleep, We Sleep, They Live. And I played that clip because it does it does communicate that the masses are asleep and have been asleep and for the most part are still asleep as we have these highly compromised individuals who toss our, our future away. And while you were sleeping, they passed a huge bill, a huge bill, a lot, big money, trillion dollar bill, uh, 14, uh, 14 billion, 14 fucking billion dollars going to Ukraine. A bunch of horse shit. We're going to look at that. We're definitely going to look at that today. We're going to try to, it's like good luck going in and, pulling apart the entire, you, the Ukraine is getting 14 billion fucking dollars. Like how could $14 billion be spent here? It would find a home, trust me. But what they will do with that is the majority of that will be used to do any number of things, hire soldiers, you know, buy media, influence, coercion, the, the money will eventually trickle back to the people who have asked for the money for the bill. It goes back to them at some point in some way, shape or fashion. Right. So, but it's not uncommon. They could, they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't bleed the COVID stuff out anymore, but they just now have a crisis and they just got to go throw money at that crisis. It's ridiculous. All right, let's check in with you guys in uh, Chattaria to see what's happening. See what's going on with y'all. We got Empath. What's going on? Excellent picture. Anyone know where to find it? You can get it on uh, DuckDuckGo. Uh, let's see. Thomas Jordan. There he is. CC Jones. Hello, friend. Upcoming uh, webinar. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. And then Tom's got um, Leon's link in there. Yes. I will send the link out for the webinar to members. I'll, I got to work on a newsletter. I'll do that today. Yes, 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 yes. Time change isn't messing with me. <clears throat> Managed to actually, the thing with the time change, you got to get a good night's sleep on the time change. So when you wake up, you're not, it's kind of like uh, preparing for jet lag with one's life. 
I like it because I'm born at La Follette, the fall back to, I was born just before noon, 11.55 a.m. Miss Nakia's here. What's going on? There's my man, Ryan. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Hucklebuck, 411. William Hurt. Yes. We knew William. Uh, I could, I, William, I know, I know what William was going through. William had uh, prostate cancer, but he was dealing with prostate cancer for the last four years. So, uh, Joan actually, Joan actually knows William. So we knew what was going on. We knew William was, was in hospice last week. So there you go. I recently donated some cat food. Yeah, you may. You think Chartaria is still asleep. Could be. I despise these people. They're the worst. They're the absolute worst. Yep. Body heat was amazing. William Hurt was uh, really bankable back in the 80s. I mean, he came on like a... He came on like really like the birth of a star, like right altered states. I remember that was another movie that changed my fucking life. Was altered states? I mean the visuals from Ken. Uh, oh fuck! I gotta wake up here. Oh, Ken Russell. The visuals from Ken Russell were tremendous. This is all, you know, it's all pre CGI stuff. So when they did effects and visuals. They really had to like work on the film and, and do double exposures and all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, it's a, it's the effects of altered states really are like an altered state. I remember watching again, I saw it with my girlfriend, same girlfriend. And we saw it at the Tam Ferran theater in San Bruno. And then again, I'm going, okay, what's this? And I think we were, I think we were stoned. I think we were in an altered state. I remember watching it. What the fuck? This is great. And William was such a force of nature. The one thing about that movie that bugs me a little bit is that they try to turn it into this weird horror film. It's like it's like it's three movies in one. It's the story of John Lilly and the uh, hey, stop that. Oh, oh God. It's amazing how when a cat pukes, they go to find the carpet and not the floor. Speaking of cat food, I thought it was scratching. I wasn't telling them not to throw up, by the way. They're allowed to throw up on my carpet here. Okay. Well, you hit the trifecta, huh? Anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, alter states. Yeah, I mean it doesn't go, it doesn't work as It doesn't, it doesn't work like as a horror. It turns into a weird horror film. And then it turns into this sappy kind of love story at the end. Like love redeems all kind of a thing. It was Ken, Ru Ken Russell was this really eccentric British filmmaker. And he, uh, he 
did he did great at what he did in England. Women in Love is one of my favorite films of all time with uh, Oliver Reed and Alan Bates. It's, it's an incredible movie. Uh, he also did a movie called The Rainbow. He did, he did I think, three movies based on the films of D.H. Lawrence. And he also did a movie called The Devils, which I've never seen. He did uh, Lair of the White Worm. Ken Russell was a pretty amazing director. Just He had a, a visual style that was uh, phenomenal. He had just a great visual style. So this was his opportunity to direct a major Hollywood blockbuster, and that's William Hurt's first movie. And the thing about Altered States is that it looks like the 70s. It's one of those films right at the end of the 70s that was uh, filmed in the 70s, so it has that 70s look to it. Um, Brainstorm, which comes out right around the same time, which is interesting. And, and it has to do with consciousness, right? Brainstorm is with uh, Natalie Wood. And uh, it has to do with tapping into, like, the un unexplored regions uh, of the brain. Christopher Walken's also in Brainstorm. That's the film where Natalie Wood, I think, dies about... 80% through the movie. Like, I think they were still shooting the movie or there were still some takes left to do and she dies. So they had to kind of recut the movie and she's in it with Chris Walker. Again, it's one of those seventies films that's released in the eighties. Cause they filmed the majority of it in the seventies. It's got that look rollover is another look, another film that has that look. And that's about economic collapse, which we're very close to, by the way. So it's an interesting period in terms of filmmaking and time. I don't think Alter States is a great movie. I think it's a visually compelling movie with some visually uh, compelling elements to it. Uh, and acting, William Hurt, is phenomenal. Other than that, I think it, as a movie itself, it kind of goes off the cliff at the end because it tries to do too much. Anyway, enough at the movies with Robert. Let's talk about where we are in the world. I'm going to put up this uh, spending bill, which is a bunch of bullshit. This is up from um, Zero Hedge. Who knows how long Zero Hedge is going to be allowed to be zero. By the way, I just I want to say that I was I was watching Jimmy Dore yesterday, and Jimmy Dore was talking about like the new level of censorship in terms of uh, what YouTube is rolling out. And it's insidious. It's, it's completely insidious. It's almost like bordering on the line of thought crime. Like if you can't, you cannot talk about the war in Ukraine or the Ukraine or whatever it is. You can't talk about it in a way that's anti-war. Because if you talk about it in an anti-war context, it means you're supporting Russia. If you're supporting Russia, they will censor you. That's where we are right now. So Jimmy Dore has to worry about if he's going to be kicked off of YouTube. And this is, this is why I do what I do here. Because I don't have to worry about YouTube. I don't have to worry about saying something that is going to get me in trouble. Now, how long I'm going to be able to do this? Who knows? I don't know. 
as long as Boxcast isn't bought by somebody who's going to compromise them, I can do it as long as Boxcast has their windows open or their doors open. You know what's interesting about Boxcast? By the way, I can get a Boxcast channel on Roku, which I think I'm going to do. So these, so if you have a Roku device, there's a Boxcast channel. You can watch this on the Boxcast channel on Roku. I got to work on that. If you look at all the people that stream on Boxcast, they're almost, I think there's about 85 or 90% of them are churches. The rest are live sporting events, which are high school, junior college. Like you see a bunch of like just kind of lower level division one or division two or high school or JC events. And they stream on, uh, this may be one of the few shows on Boxcast that is like this. They make their bread and butter off of live church services. So they stream Boxcast, I think did really, really well when COVID hit because everybody was watching church at home. So, oh, let's do, let's Boxcast this. So that's why your support is important because it allows me to do this and allows me to stream. And if, and if, if anything ever got shut down with YouTube, even on the Friday forecast side of things, I could do it here if I wanted to. And I'm sure I could go back to YouTube and um, just watch my P's and Q's and couch my language. I mean, it's kind of interesting when you do that because then you have to be creative, but honestly, I'm much happier here and I'm much happier with a dedicated audience, even though it probably won't reach YouTube like numbers, not even close, but that's okay. And if you're watching or you're listening to the podcast, you can certainly watch this live and be part of the whole chat thing and see the visuals. Like you can see the visuals of my dinner with Andre. All right, let's get into the spending bill. And there she is. The lady in red, the horror Babylon, Nancy Pelosi. The U.S. House of Representatives voted on Wednesday to pass a $1.5 trillion omnibus spending bill that includes $13.6 billion in aid for Ukraine and European allies and would fund the federal government through September 30th. Hours earlier, Democratic lawmakers scrapped the bill's initial $15.6 billion COVID-19 aid provision, marking a major setback for the Biden administration, pushed for weeks have the additional funds approved. House Speaker, Democrat Nancy Pelosi, called the decision to abandon the provision heartbreaking. Republicans have demanded cuts to state aid to fund the new initiative. We've got a war going on in Ukraine, Pelosi told reporters, explaining the urgency Democrats felt in making concessions in bargaining with Republicans. We have important work that we're doing here, she said with her party in the 50-50 Senate meeting, at least 10 GOP votes, excuse me, to pass the legislation. Democrats are going to have to know, know there has to be compromise. There's no fucking Democrat, Republican. It's just one party. A further 8.6.8 billion would go toward care for refugees and provide economic aid to allies. What the fuck? And more to help federal agencies enforce economic sanctions against Russia and protect cyber threats at home. The figure is higher than the sum initially requested by the Biden administration, 6.5 billion, and the 10 billion figure in the White House's format formal request to Congress. Some 730 billion has also been allocated for military spending under the Defense Department. 
And a further $125 billion would go to the Department of Veteran Affairs. What does that mean? This bill, the bill would increase spending for child nutrition and child care, law enforcement, improving broadband in rural areas, and education for disabled students in historically black colleges and universities. The spending bill still needs to be passed by the Senate. That could be a problem. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said he hopes to pass legislation before Friday to avert a government shutdown. Who cares? Shut the fucker down. Just shut it down. So you want to know who the traitors were who voted for it? I'll tell you in a second. Okay, here we go. We have John Barrasso, Roy Blunt, Shelley Moore Capito, Susan Collins, John Cornyn, who's a piece of shit. I guess these are, is this the Senate? I guess this must be this must be the Senate, I think. Um, Roy Blunt, Shelley Moore, John Cornyn, John, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham. Chuck Grassley, of all people, the guy who, one of the few people who actually stood up for Trump. Chuck Grassley, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Mitch McConnell, of course, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, typical, typical suspects, Rob Portman, Richard Shelby, John Thune, Tommy Tuberville, Wicker from Mississippi and Young from Indiana. Those are your, those are your peeps. Yeah, so that's the Senate. I guess they passed it. I guess they passed it, the whole thing. There you go. They got their votes. Lindsey Graham. Jesus. How old is that guy? How does he get how does he get elected and reelected? Born fifty-five. So he's sixty-six. Sorry, I'm listening to Jasper. Anyway, uh, looks like he's single. Does that does that uh, surprise you? God, what a creep! I'm just trying to see if he's a uh, single. He's single. He's got no kids. Does that surprise you? No. The Trump Ukraine scandal. Remember that? Remember the old Trump Ukraine scandal? where Trump sent over Rudy Giuliani to go find dirt on these assholes. Called Zelensky, wanted to see if Zelensky knew anything. And of course he was hassled. Every time Trump tried to get his hooks into somebody or something that could help his cause, they had leaks. He was totally hassled. It was a bunch of horse shit. And of course, once he's out, it all just goes away. But they were trying to be preemptive. I'll give them that. The Hunter Biden stuff came out. 
but it wasn't enough. I mean, think about that. In retrospect, if that had been Donald Trump Jr., who was in the Hunter Biden role, and by the way, Donald Trump Jr., he's probably done lines with Hunter Biden at some point. He's, he, you ever see him? Sometimes he is fucking speeded out, man. And there are times where I think Donald Trump Jr. has had some <clears throat> somewhat white line fever. So sweaty. Like, I'm like, ooh, what's going on with him? Anyway, they tried. You know, if, but if it had been Don Trump Jr., there's there's no way. There's uh, There were just two separate rules. Like if Don Trump Jr. fucking jaywalked, they would have tried to impeach Trump. And I'm not saying that Trump wasn't part of the part of the deal or part of the scam. Probably was. At some point, I don't think he was supposed to win. I've talked about this before. He had that surprise as hell look. And Hillary was fucking pissed. She was pissed. It wasn't like the fix was in. Whatever was going on with Hillary with all those weird clones and replacements, it was fucking weird. Remember on 9-11, 2016, just the utter collapse from that 9-11 memorial? And then popping out of uh, Chelsea's apartment looking like a completely different person? Just fucking weird. And the whole thing where her van, they're like, they had a setup with that van and all that weird kind of life support equipment and her her big handler who's hitting her with an epi pan. It, like the whole fucking thing was just gone, right? But it was weird. And the uncontrollable, strange laughter that a lot of people attributed to Kuru disease. Weird. Whoever this person is now, I, I, I don't know. I don't. We live in a you know strangely reanimated universe. And I don't know who she is or what she is, but she's still around. But whoever showed up on the day after the election was fucking pissed. Totally pissed. Apparently she was throwing wine bottles and just furious that, that Trump had won. And Trump seemed shocked, surprised. And then he had to have a Chinese fire drill to put together his, um, his team. And that was... Interesting, to say the least. Anyway, that's a lot of uh, revisionist history and uh, retrospection. So where are we now? Well, I talked a little bit about this last night, and we're in a pretty weird place. And it's because the imminent threat, to some degree, has been removed from our immediate view. And I'm talking about covid and how we dealt with COVID. And I talked about this last night over on YouTube, where at the very least with COVID, you kind of knew who the enemy was. Like the enemy was the NPC at the front of the store or uh, checking you out uh, at the grocery store. So it was either at the front of the, the, the store that you wanted to go in, was checking you out at the store, or was waiting on your table. That was the enemy. It was clear. And you knew that they were just NPCs, but nonetheless, they were like clay pigeons. And you could, and it was kind of fun, right? Goading them, walking past them. It's like, you signed up for it. 
Now that's gone. But there's a lot of like strange conditions around it being gone, which I'm going to get into. But it's gone now. You can't go down to your city council meeting and say, you're the fucking enemy. You're the enemy of freedom. You're the enemy of people's sovereignty. And one after one, person after person after person went before the city council and the city manager and the mayor here in this town and let them have it. Well, they removed the emergency uh, authorization here in this county, in this town. There's no enemy. The hospital was the enemy because the hospital was directing policy. The, you could locate a person, you could locate a face, and you could say, you are carrying out this absolutely tyrannical plan at the street level locally. That's exactly what you could do. It was not that hard. They were there. There was a face. They were, you know, they had their puppet hand, puppet master's hand up their ass. And they were just mouthing them, right? They were mouthing the platitudes that safety and all this other bullshit that just trickled down all the way from Washington to whatever state capital you lived in, down to the county, down to the city, down to the city council, right? And they were all like this. You could see them. You're, you're the enemy. You're the enemy. You're the enemy. You're the, well, that's not there anymore. You can go out. You can walk around without a mask. You can come to Fredericksburg, the wine country, the hill country. You'll pay $4 a gallon if you're just having regular, over $5 a gallon if you have high test. That's the new condition. You won't have a mask, but you will have an artificial governor as far as how far you can go. There's an artificial governor there. Like when I thinking about traveling, I'm going, well, geez, which, cause I have, I have my, uh, my travel vehicle and I have, I have a little truck. Like, should I take the little truck? It's a six cylinder. The answer to that is no, I'm not going to take the little truck because it burns gas too. And, it's not that comfortable. So I may as well be comfortable when I'm burning gas. Right, Jasper? You feeling better? Did you get that out of your system? Anyway. Um, but there was the enemy. Like we could, we could, the theoretical enemy. Now where's the enemy? Oh, the enemy's in Russia. That's where the enemy is now. It, it's Putin. It's all things Russian. By the way, I've watched that uh, little YouTube channel, Dan Shikaz and his wife, Susie. And they were walking around a uh, supermarket in Russia just a few days ago. They had plenty of things to buy. Prices were okay. Uh, $1.50 for a big bottle of locally brewed beer. That was pretty good. Some of their prices were kind of high. $300 for a set of four tires. You could go to, you could go to their grocery store and buy a set of tires for your vehicle. I don't know how many different vehicles they have in Russia. Probably not too many. So tire size is probably mostly universal. Pick up a set of tires at the grocery store. They're just out there on the aisle, right? Just like you go and buy a dozen apples, you can go buy four tires. Anyway, they don't seem to be doing all that hard. What's really interesting about their video is, guess what? In Russia, they've rolled back everything connected to COVID-19. So if you wanted to go into uh, a cafe or a theater or a store, you didn't have to wear a mask now. You didn't have to get a vaccine. 
Russia is doing the same thing that all these other countries across the world are doing. So on the one hand, they're acting like they're the enemy at the gates. On the other hand, they're doing the exact same thing that all these other countries are being told to do or doing at the same time. There's no difference now between their, I guess, as of March 5th, right, in Russia, all the COVID and vaccine shit, it's going to go away in Australia. So again, lockstep, what makes Russia so different? Why didn't Russia make a break with the West earlier with this stuff? If they were really, really concerned about the West, why did they make a break earlier? Why did they have to go through and develop their own vaccine, Sinovax, and make sure all their people got it? Why? Well, that's when Vladimir Putin had his page up on the World Economic Forum. And now they took it down. Does it matter? I don't think it matters. I don't think I don't think it matters at all. It's just it's just cosmetics. That's all it is. He's just playing a role. He's playing a role, and the role is to dismantle the United States economy. That is the role. And there are there are a lot of people who are completely asleep and unaware, just like when they, they were asleep when the Senate passed that bill. Literally, they were asleep in the dead of the night. They always do this. The big bills, they just – and they pro- they're probably not even there. They probably just get up. You know, Lindsey Graham probably got up from, you know, his, his little drag party and uh, got online and did his little electronic signature – and went, went back to servicing somebody, more than likely. He wasn't even there. I doubt if he was there. This is how they do electronic signings. So people are asleep. They're, they're watching this whole thing go down like it's a real fucking thing. And <laughs> I'll tell you how asleep they are. You got to see this. And then I'm, I'm going to get to the meat of what I want to talk about today. You got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Is this real? Let me see this. So Elon Musk has challenged Vladimir Putin to a fight. A single combat fight with the stakes being Ukraine. You got to be fucking kidding me. It's true. So I can find it. I'll show you. If you're listening at home, this is um, on the podcast. This is from at Elon Musk. I hereby challenge that's Vladimir Putin in Cyrillic to single combat. Stakes are 
That's Cyrillic Ukraine. Fucking clown world. This is absolute clown world. Let's just say Vladimir Putin might still be real, or it might be a reasonable facsimile of a guy who has a black belt in jujitsu. Unless Elon Musk is some kind of alien species terminator that's got a rubber mask on, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think he can take Vladimir Putin, even at Putin's advanced age. I think Putin could still kick his ass. That is just. Oh man, we've got uh, the World Economic Forum, and we also have uh, we have the WF, and we have the WFF, the, which is the. WWF, right? Worldwide Wrestling Federation. The WWF and the WEF. What a joke. Uh, private property no longer protected in Ireland. Housing Act amended for the common good. Uh, yep, this is where it's all headed. Oh, uh, let's see. There's something here I wanted to find. What was it? Why don't we do this? This is another little bond mot here from Twitter. The gift that keeps on giving. Let me see if I can pull this out. Make it bigger. Yeah. One place where the greatest country. Here we go. Here's Biden talking about NATO and Russia. This is from 1997. 2.4 million views, 36 seconds. This is from the uh, Foreign Relations Committee ranking members. I think the place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, would be to admit the Baltic states now in terms of NATO-Russian, U.S.-Russian relations. And if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigorous and hostile reaction, I don't mean military, in Russia, it would be that. So the way I look at the calculus here... Hear that? I think the one place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission, having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, would be to admit the Baltic states now in terms of NATO-Russian, U.S.-Russian relations. And if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigorous and hostile reaction, I don't mean military, in Russia, it would be that. So the way I look at the calculus here, I think the one. So back in the day, he's basically saying, look, you admit these nation states to NATO and we're going to have a problem with Russia. That's exactly what he's saying. That's back when uh, he was actually a human or I guess a version of a human. Are you back again? 
You're restless today, poor guy. You had a bad belly. I probably gave you too much to eat. Probably ate too much. I think that's what happened. Yeah, you ate too much. Yeah, I know. It's all right. I'll have the maid clean up after you. <laughs> um, it's amazing. The, the world we're living in right now is absolutely, utterly amazing. And I, I still have more than a scintilla of hope. I have faith. I have faith that humanity is waking up. It is a process that is not comfortable. It's not a comfortable process. Waking up fucking sucks, okay? Because then you got to look around and see what's going on with the world. And I've compared it to the state of being an addict. Addicts don't want to give up their dope because they have to look. No, they don't do that. Because then they have to look at their lives. And they know that. That's one of the reasons why they continue to get high. Not, I mean, I'm sure that they have certain neuroreceptors that are banging away in their brain for that fix or that drug or whatever that thing is, whatever their addiction is, and because they need it. But there's another part of them at a psychological level that understands that if they got clean, they'd have to deal with their life and they'd have to wake up and they'd have to look around and go, you know what? I'm living in a pretty shitty place, a pretty shitty state, pretty shitty condition. How the fuck did I get here? And what do I need to do to get out? That's when you are in addiction, a place of addiction, that's where you go. And then you begin the process of looking at your life with a level of raw naked truth so that you can theoretically climb out of that state of addiction with the help of others. That's what waking up is like. A lot of people don't want to do it. It's not fun. They'd rather be asleep. They'd rather be Joe Pantaleone or Pantaleone in the matrix and eat the fake steak. And for all of you who have woken up, who have chosen to see the world through uh, an unflinching gaze into the heart of darkness, I salute you. You're true warriors, true spiritual warriors. And it takes a lot of heart and a lot of courage uh, and ultimately a lot of faith to do that, to put your hand over the flame. It's not easy. People are being forced to wake up, though. And we, we shook some people out of the trees with COVID, or COVID shook some people out of the trees. You watch somebody like Jimmy Dore, who wound up getting one of the shots, and then he had a reaction. They went into some kind of a treatment program to deal with the adverse reaction of the shot. And then he just pushed him further away from his leftist roots. So it's a process. Unfortunately, there are still some stupid motherfuckers who are asleep. And I'm going to give you an example of that right now. This is going to, this is going to blow your mind. So there are these people, men, let's call them dumbasses. Can we just call them dumbasses? 
for now. Let me show you what happened here. There was a bunch of, there were a number of young men who went to, who went to Ukraine. Like this was some kind of rite of passage or some kind of uh, wartime fantasy. Let me show you this. Russia says it has killed 180 foreign fighters in Ukraine. So I'm going to go back and forth here. I'm going to uh, grab some of these images because they're part of this Imgur thread and this Twitter Twitter thread. This is this is nuts. Let me see if I can just go through this entire thread here. Uh, Nolan Peterson, from an American volunteer on the front lines outside of Kiev, sitting close to the front line, the last safe mode of transportation, leaves for greener pastures. A core group of about 30 foreign fighters remains out of around 200 people who were just here minutes ago. Now, I don't know if this is true or propaganda. I have no idea, but it's bizarre. The base we came from was struck by rockets in the early morning hours. People we lived with for a couple of days are confirmed. So these are Americans who decided that they wanted to go fight for the Ukrainian army. Confirmed that it's only a matter of time before our location is targeted. We we're about to be cut off by a Russian tank column any day now. Like, is this true? If it's true, you're fucking morons for going over there. If it's not true, then it's the, one of the most cynical ploys to get America involved in this war that I've seen yet. Food, water, and ammunition dwindle slowly. The mood is somber. People are sending their last messages to family and friends. Where is NATO? Where is the supposed good of Western civilization? An important note, this American is a special ops veteran who completed combat deployments to Afghanistan. He came to Ukraine before Russia's full-scale war on February 24th. He is an experienced, well-trained soldier who gave up his lucrative career in the U.S. to help Ukraine. Well, you're a fucking idiot. If this is true, Nolan Peterson, I apologize to you and your family. No, I don't really apologize. You're a fucking idiot. He's got 449,000 followers. He's got an Amazon.com page. What does he have here? Why soldiers miss war? The journey home. When was this published? So I guess he published a book. There he is. You can see him. I'm on his Amazon page. Are these all of his books? No, it's just this one. These are other books that are like his. All right, so who is he? A former U.S. Air Force Special Operations pilot and veteran of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Nolan Peterson is an acclaimed war correspondent and globetrotting travel writer whose adventures have taken him to all seven continents with his wife, Lilia, sounding a little maybe Ukrainian there by his side. Peterson divides his time between Washington and Kiev. 
Oh, interesting. Working as a foreign correspondent. He's a fucking reporter. This guy, this guy is, he's intel. He's totally intel. He bounces back and forth between U.S. Air Force Special Ops and being a correspondent. Oh. He's currently working for the Daily Signal and held previous journalist positions with UPI and the National Security Forum. He's a spook. Peterson is a graduate of UASF Academy in Political Science, which included an internship at NATO HQ in Brussels. He's also achieved an MS in journalism for Northwestern MA uh, from Middlebury, as well as a diploma for French language from La, La Sorbonne. He's an elite. He's a fucking elite. So this is the guy that they send over there. Press. Press. He's not there to fight. What's the one-star review? I want to see this one-star review. He's got... Let's see. Got a bunch of one-star reviews. After reading the book, it seemed like the author liked to pat himself on the back a good bit. I found some parts of the book... To be a little far-fetched, I would not recommend this book to someone who was in combat and fought the bad guys face-to-face. The book arrived severely damaged when it was purchased new. Those reviews are always the ones that, um, they're the ones that always, I'm like, I scratch my head. It's like, they review the, I've never, by the way, I've never reviewed a product where something was shipped off to me and came in a weird box. Like it just doesn't happen to me. I mean, usually I'd leave reviews for content versus service. Anyway, this will appeal more to readers looking for tales of world travel in war zones. <laughs> Publishers weekly. The story P- stories Peterson shares are top notch engaging as soldiers and veterans grapple with big questions while seeking meaning in life and coping with war and PTSD. What is it about that war that soldiers miss? A provocative book that weaves together a wide range of stories, focusing exclusively on war itself, what it means coming home and confronting another struggle all veterans share. So this guy's like a modern day Hemingway. Who is a spook? All right, there's more to this story, by the way. It's from Reddit. Let me show you this. This whole Reddit thread here. 200 foreign fighters killed in Russian strike on train base. So this is a guy who who is over there. Now I can't get to, let me see if I do the next part of the thread. Oh, that's Austin. All right, hold on a second. He's wearing a Nike cap, this guy. He's in a ward. He's wearing a fucking Nike cap. Let me go back. Cause so you have to catch. Okay. So this is, this is the, uh, this is, this is where I want to go. So this guy's Brazilian. 
like all these dudes are running off to get their, their uh, soldier game on and they're like lambs to slaughter. So he's a Brazilian. You can see how Nike is providing warware here. Russia's wreck on Ukrainian, uh, Yakarovsky training base this morning reportedly killed around 180 foreign volunteers. This news is being reported by both sides. A Brazilian foreign volunteer in Ukraine has reported about this news on his Instagram story and stated the base where he was attacked now for missiles, more than 200 dead. 200 people that came to help Ukrainian people. Another Brazilian foreign fighter who survived the Russian strike on the Ukrainian training base stated, thank you, God, for another day of life. Sad for the friends who died in the attack on our base. Is this fucking real? Is he really Brazilian? He doesn't look Brazilian to me. You know what he looks to me? He looks to me like he's Israeli. All right, let's see what else we have here. Okay, where is it? Now, apparently, this moron was the one who was theoretically responsible for this. Again, I say theoretically because we don't really know what to believe, especially when you've got a war correspondent like Nolan Peterson reporting on everything. This is from Reddit. A soldier posts on Facebook his, his exact location to his friends and fellow Redditors in private. Redditor posts the image on Reddit for uh, updates. Russian scrolling through the subreddit gets confirmation that Ukrainians are using schools as bases. Russians shell every abandoned school in the area, massacring everybody. Redditor single-handedly got multiple safe zones exposed for upvotes. So this guy, this clown, again, if you believe the story and he was there and he was posting on Reddit, like, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing. Somehow some Russian went in there, found it, and then gave that to Russian intelligence, and then they blew up the schools. You believe it? The world we live in, it's quite possible. It's quite possible that some moron would actually do that. It's quite possible some morons would actually go to Ukraine. It's quite possible that there is this guy who is posting on Twitter with 450,000 followers, has a book on Amazon, is United States Air Force Intelligence, works for UPI, and the signal as some kind of, you know, special ops war correspondent. It's quite possible. The whole thing is a complete sham. It's quite possible that you had morons that were uh, baited into going there and become cannon fodder. You have the false flag that's going to ignite a war. You have the the uh, the Lusitania or the Pearl Harbor or the Gulf of Tonkin. We're waiting for that tipping point moment. Yes, please send our daughters, send our sons. Send them over there. We've got to go fight this war against this evil empire. Because you can't go to Walmart or you can't go to Kroger's or you can't go to Starbucks to have a beef with the tyrant that won't let you through the front door without a fucking mask. They removed that threat. Speaking of removing the threat, Tom Brady now is back in the NFL. Oh, who could have predicted that? Tom Brady unretired. 
That on the heels of the news that the NFL has decided that it's going to scrap all of its COVID restrictions. You know who said he would unretire? Jason Whitlock. He totally called it. And I thought he would just stay unretired. But now that Tom doesn't have to get a shot, now that he doesn't have to lie about not getting a shot, oh, he can go back and play football now. What a fucking joke. Way to ruin your legacy, Tom. For people that are awake, they can see that you're a lying phony sack of shit that doesn't really care about other people's rights or other people's uh, misfortunes and having to go through the grinder that you probably didn't have to go through because you got a pass from your coach, you got a pass from your team, you got a pass from the NFL because you're Tom fucking Brady. Fuck you. Pardon my language. You may unsubscribe from this if you feel like I'm being too harsh. But it's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, I'm going to retire now. Ridiculous. Meanwhile, Kyrie Irving can't get back on the court for the uh, New Jersey Nets because the city of New York, while allowing people to go to things like restaurants and theaters and bars in Starbucks without a mask or without a vaccine, those same companies that employ those people, city of New York is requiring that they do so. So Kyrie Irving can now attend a New York, uh, New, a New York Nets game or Brooklyn Nets game. He's a member of that team. But he can't play. You can go watch his team, but he can't play. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the world we're living in right now. It's it, and by the way, COVID—they'll ramp the COVID thing back up again when they're damn good and ready. When they get everything in place with digital passports and the economy gets cratered to a point where it will be crippling to people, oh, they'll roll out another bug. They won't do it before the elections, though, because they want they want to skate in there. Oh, see, we defeated COVID. We defeated COVID. And I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Ukrainian thing gets settled before the election. Oh, we defeated Russia. You know, it was through our sanctions and through the intense pressure we put on the Russians that they retreated and they were forced to negotiate a settlement with the Ukrainians. They'll take credit for that. They'll take credit for that. They'll take credit for defeating COVID. They'll take credit for whatever kind of little bump they give the economy in the run-up to the election. They'll start talking about American values. They, they will essentially um, shapeshift into uh, Kennedy Democrats. That's all coming. But it won't be enough. I don't think it won't be enough. Because I think that there's something bigger going on. That's just that's just one potential threat. Now, if they don't negotiate this and this thing drags on, and it could, there is, a, there is an outcome here that I've been thinking about, which is, I think, ultimately where it, they want to take this. 
And it goes back to the bioweapons lab or the bioweapons labs that they found in Ukraine. There were like 30 of them. And that they were set up during the Obama administration. They went in, right? They flipped Ukraine in 2014, and they started to set these things up. And I think they started to set them up before 2014. They were going in there, and they were doing stuff. They were going in there with their partners, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, uh, Bayer. You know who they are. They're the, they're the big, the big pharma whores. So they went in there, they set these things up and they were working on the same kind of nasty and dastardly things that theoretically they worked on at the university of North Carolina, right? Harvard, which is where Charles Lieber was. Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's all, all part of the same network. So they went in there and they were working on extremely dangerous and uh, potentially deadly pathogens, anthrax. They were also doing it in um, Kyrgyzstan as well. So they were using that whole area because they didn't have any rules or regulations. They didn't have to abide by any oversight. And that came out and Victoria Newland admitted it. She admitted it in front of Shil Marco Rubio. And don't think that that it will, will go away. She had to admit it. And then once she admitted it, she turned it back on to the Russians and said, well, they could do this. They're the bad guys. They do this all the time. So what would happen if it did come out and the United States did set up all these bio labs? What would happen if it came out that the United States was theoretically behind this whole Wuhan gain of function thing? And I believe that there is some truth to that. I, I don't believe it's the whole story, but there's, there is, a, there is a, a chain of custody and money that goes from Charles Lieber to Wuhan, the level four lab that he helped build there. He has money, he has research funds, like, there's a trail, there's a money trail. There's a there there, and they are doing things. They're not just sitting around with their thumbs up. They're asked, they're trying, they're they're trying to hack the viral world or the molecular world. That's what that's what they're trying to do. Whether it's through uh the you know, some kind of pathogen that they'll turn into a vaccine and then shoot you directly with it, or some kind of um nano array or, or, or nanotechnology that they'll shoot you with. That's what they're doing. And they're ultimately doing this stuff so they can get it into your fucking body, whichever way they can. So let's say this comes out and it becomes this story of corruption. And it leads back to the United States government. What would happen if all of a sudden the United States government was put on trial? What would happen if the world looked at the United States the same way that they looked at Nazi Germany during World War II? And they brought up things like Iraq and Libya and Afghanistan and Yemen, Ukraine, 
Wuhan. What would happen if that happened? Then all of this corruption would be surfaced with the United States. But it wouldn't be for the good of the country and the people of the United States. I guarantee you that right now. They could do the same thing that we've been doing to Russia and to Iraq and Afghanistan and Yemen and Libya. The United States could be sanctioned. Trade could be cut off with the United States. The United States could then go through its own version of the Nuremberg trials at the end of World War II. It could absolutely 100% happen. 100%. And they could take the entire global international network and cabal of corruption and just roll it right into the United States and say, this is the country that's responsible for the state of the world and how it got to be so bad. And we should never, ever, ever let something like the United States happen again. You think I'm kidding? This is, I think ultimately this is what they're gunning for. Now, could they run this little program out to November so they could stay elected and continue their wrecking ball? Possibly. Possibly. It could happen post-November. All you need is another little tipping point event. But this is a program that they could easily roll out even before the November midterms happen. Like, I mean, this could possibly be the, 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 the 9-11 equivalent of the United States, like the controlled demolition. Just watch. Keep your eye on the news. If you start to see these little tiny threads come out about corruption, in the United States, you know that that's where they're going to go. And they will roll this story out and it will become the story of the 21st century. And the United States will be on trial. And guess what will happen? The United States will be convicted and therefore will be responsible for reparations, just like what happened to the Germans after World War I and World War II. It'll be trillions and trillions of dollars in reparations to guess where? Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen, Libya, Ukraine, any place that the United States had had its greasy, internationalist, money-grubbing, corrupt paws on, they will be responsible. This country will be responsible for it. Don't think it will uh, fly under the radar with the, uh, the, the, the national militant class. Oh, they'll be all over it. Oh, it's not just internationally, but look what they've done to the indigenous and, and uh, transgender people and people of color in this country. It's the same thing. So we're going to demand reparations domestically for these groups too. This will absolutely and utterly completely bankrupt the United States of America, which is already bankrupt anyway. But this will be the coup de grace. This, this will be the, uh, the guillotine moment.
And then what happens? Well, then they'll go in and they will disassemble the constitution. They'll create, they'll create a new form of government. And by the way, it will not be just the United States because it will be a, a domino effect with everything around the world. Because the United States economy is linked to all these other world economies and the United States will be the country that will be blamed for the economic collapse of the, of the entire planet. And so they'll have to have a new economic order come out of this thing. And it's their way to completely detonate this idea of the United States of America. No constitution, no flag, no national identity. They'll use it as an excuse to go in and grab guns because we don't want these crazy Americans to have guns. We need them to be on a leash as we start this thing over again and make the world more fair, balanced, and equitable place. This is exactly where this is headed. And they could do this in under two directions. They can buy a little time and the current regime can stay in until after the midterms. And then they could ramp this thing up. And then after the midterms, they could run it right into the iceberg or it could happen before the midterms. You got to pay attention, pay very close attention to the stories that come out about corruption. Because this is the plan. They're already talking. You can see it. You can see that there, there's this guy who, looks like Don King's bastard child. He's like a combination of Don King and Tyler Perry. And he's saying that we should get rid of the constitution. And he's making the rounds, he's on the view. That is the narrative you're gonna hear more and more and more of. And as the world falls into a much more decrepit state and the economy of the world begins to tilt in a way that is bordering on dangerous, there will be a scapegoat. And it won't be the Rothschilds. It won't be George Soros. It won't be Xi Jinping. It won't be Vladimir Putin. It'll be this country. And this country will be on trial. And there's nothing to do with you and I. And that's what's going to happen. Unless we are preemptive. And we have to be preemptive because there is corruption. And the corruption is at the hands of the internationalist banking community. You know who they are. I've talked about them. You guys have done the research on your own. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The elite families from this country, the elite families from Europe, the black families, the Rothschilds, the Federal Reserve Bank. Now we have BlackRock. Now we have these absolute leviathans that are connected not just to corporations, but to the direct lending pipeline from the United States and other countries of the world, getting money directly from them, extorting them. In some cases, not even extorting them, just sidling up to the powers that be. Trump brought BlackRock right into the government when he was president. He said, go ahead and do this. We'll make sure you stay president. Oh, okay. How'd that work out? Not very well. So you've got, we have to be preemptive. We don't have a lot of time. And I started to talk about this on last night's show a little bit over on YouTube. We have to be preemptive. We've got to talk about who is behind the curtain. That's why I spent almost all last week talking about the neocons. We have to spread the awareness around this. If you have a Twitter account, if you have any way of getting things out, you have got to talk about who is essentially running the world into the fucking subterranean realms of bankruptcy, corruption, 
moral bankruptcy, it's happening because they're going to blame it on us. So we've got we've to be as preemptive as possible. And we don't have a lot of time. And not a lot of people in the media are going to be really open to this idea that the United States is going to be put on trial for being the, 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 the gangster, right? The, 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 the John Dillinger of all the world's ills and problems. It'll happen. It will happen. We will go down as the new, the new Germany. Now, think about this. There were, there were two major wars in the 20th century, World War I and World War II. There are major wars. Who went down after both those wars? It was Germany. And if there is a third world war, and for the sake of, let's just say that this is a third world war, then who's going to go down? It won't be Germany. It'll, it'll be the country that theoretically got all the Nazis after World War II. This is what Alex Jones talks about ad infinitum. And Alex Jones is essentially helping create that narrative that all the Nazis came here. Well, shit, if all the Nazis came here, then this must be a Nazi country. Then we may as well take it down and do the same thing that we did to Nazi Germany. They just relocated to the United States. It's the Fourth Reich. And to some extent, that's true. But it's not true in the exact description and definition that Alex Jones would like to uh, dress it up in. All right. That's about it. That was really where I wanted to go today. I wanted to go today to that place that I just brought you to. But I had to go through a few other things. And it had to start with people who are asleep. And they're just moved around like sheep. And because they're asleep, they will be, they will be told to hate the country that they're a part of. And this whole thing around white privilege and white guilt which is absolutely genocidal, just moves right into let's hate America. You know, we're the ones that are responsible for the state of the world. Go ahead. Send us to camps. We deserve it. Because they've been conditioning people for this for a long time. This is the ultimate, the ultimate mind fuck, the ultimate psychological operation. They won't even have to come to your house to go to the camp. You'll go out on the street and wait for the bus to take you there. Because you will feel such a great sense of demoralization and contrition. You'll just walk right through. Just like what Andre Gregory was talking about. You'll walk right through that gate and you'll never come back. And they won't even have to pull you out of your home. You better wake up. You think, oh, that's fucking crazy. And even some of us who are the most staunch resistors, we all have our breaking points. Remember that. We all have our breaking points where they don't even have to come get us. We just walk out to the street and we throw in the towel and just say, you know, take me out of here. Everybody's got their breaking point. Let's hope we don't go there. Let's rally the troops. All right, what do, you have to, what do you have to say about this? What do you think? What do you think about what I'm talking about? I'm in Chatlandia now. Let's see what we have here. 
I'll resist till I'm dead. I agree, but everybody's got their breaking point. Americans always think of themselves as the good guys. Who would handle being the bad guy? No, absolutely not. Absolutely. The Yukons are the Khazarian Mafia, 100%. 100%. Will you fire on Americans? Taze says, Robert, this narrative is the worst case scenario. Yet it makes the most, absolutely. You cannot have a new world order or a great reset within the United States, the ideals of the United States intact. No, they've got to, de they've got to demolish the whole thing. It's all coming. Weapons of mass destruction found out the Russian government is presenting definitive proof to the Security Council. This is going to, I'm telling you, this is the thread that could completely unravel this country. Yep, Pluto, Pluto return. Absolutely. 100%. Okay, I'm out here for today. Look, use your time and your freedom in a way that is constructive. Don't lay down. Do not lay down. And do not lay down for this narrative because this is the one they want. They want to punish this country. And they'll even, I'll tell you what they'll even do. They're going to wait. They're going to wait until, let's see, Rumsfeld is dead. You could probably see something that will be like, well, Dick Cheney is dead. He, he, he may or may not even be alive right now. I don't know. The next one to go will be George Bush. It, once these major figureheads from 9-11 are gone, they will basically say that the United States did not and 11. They'll, they'll do that. They'll point the fingers at that administration. And that'll be another part of this unraveling of the corruption. And the American people will be stunned and shocked and demoralized. But of course, we know that there are other hands and other fingers involved in 9-11. But that's won't be who gets the blame. The United States of America will be on trial and it will not go well. Period of the story. Nobody, nobody will be there to defend what this country has done over the last 30 years. And that's all been done on purpose, by the way. All right. I'm out of here. I don't want to leave you with a sour note. I want to leave you with an upbeat and hopeful note, but I'm not today because I want that to sink in. Like the gravity of that potential, I want it to sink in so that you understand that we're really up against something enormous and that you have the ability to do something.
to change the narrative. Once you realize this, you can begin to change the narrative. So the thing that you can do is you can affirm and decree the things about this country and the people of this country that are good, that are kind, that aren't connected with this parasitic creature that has locked itself onto us like the face sucker from the movie, The Alien or Alien. Like we are not that. We've had to deal with this parasite that's been sucking the life force out of us. It was about to discard us on the trash heap of history and move on to another set of hosts. Now that it's almost completely done sucking the life force out of us. Don't stand for it. Create your own narrative. Stand up for the things that are true and beautiful and righteous about what this country at a spiritual level stands for. So tomorrow, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good things that we as people here in this country can do, have done, and have the opportunity to do in the future. So hang in there. We took you down today. Tomorrow, I'll bring you up. I promise. From myself and Jasper, who's recovering from too much too much kitty pate this morning, too fast. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart too soap once possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care and bye for now.